Do you know what innocent means? No. Do you know what guilty means? Okay, here's a good example. Let's say you and Ben are playing in the living room, okay? And you start fighting over a toy. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Does that happen a lot? Not, ba not very often. No? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, and let's say you take the toy away from Ben and then Ben pushes you and you fall on the floor. What would you say if Ben pushed you on the floor? Mommy, Mommy, Ben pushed me on the floor. And then what would Ben say? Morgan did it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are guilty, that means you did it. And if you're innocent, it means you didn't do it. So in that case, would Ben be guilty or innocent? Innocent. He would be innocent? I think he'd actually be guilty. Yeah, he would be guilty because he pushed you on the floor, right? And did it hurt? Yes. Yeah. So that's like one example. Hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wedding the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my six-year-old adorable niece Morgan learning about being guilty or innocent. I'll tell you what she's guilty of. Being too darn cute! Aww, did you hear that, Morgan? That was Alex. I was going to say she's guilty of sounding a little drunk. <laughs> Now, as you probably know, Orange is the New Black Season 4 is back, and from what I hear, one of the best so far. Now, don't worry. There will not be any spoilers on this episode, first of all, because I am fair. And secondly, because I haven't binged it yet. But I am fired up to see it. Now, whether you've binged it or not, we have some great orange content all month long. And whether or not you watch the show, you are gonna love it. You can check out our last episode featuring Jason Biggs, who plays Larry Bloom on the show, and part one of my three-part interview with Kathy Curtin, who plays Corrections Officer Wanda Bell on Orange. But today, we've got one of my very favorite Orange is the New Black stories, because it's the true story of what life was really like for Larry Smith and Piper Kerman, the real Larry and Piper, during her time in prison. Piper is the author of the New York Times bestselling memoir, Orange is the New Black, that the popular Netflix series is based on. Larry is now married to Piper, and you'll hear his story a little bit later in the episode. But first, we have got part two of my interview with Kathy Curtin. Do we find out about Wanda's backstory this season? Is she still dating fellow guard O'Neill? I don't know. I haven't watched it. Remember? No spoilers. Here's my chat with Kathy talking about how she feels about binge-watching Orange. When they are released, do you binge-watch them? No, I don't. No. I, I don't. I like <laughs> to say, I like to watch my binge-watching sort of headspace is I like to watch like 
four or five episodes uh-huh. or something and then not watch that for a little while and then save some of it. Yeah. Because if you watch all 12, 13 episodes, I don't know. It's like then you, that it's like finish. Sometimes if you really love a book, you don't want to finish it. Totally. And if you that's where I am. So I, I don't I spoon it out to myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't actually. Because yeah. I, I want it as part of my life. To savor. To savor it. And I want it as my secret friend. Aww. You know, I want to be able to come home on a Friday night yeah. and I'm exhausted and it's been a really long week and I'm done and I'm tired and I want to make myself, you know, a frozen pizza and <laughs> and watch four episodes of mm-hmm. some show and think that, oh, and now I've got like another eight to watch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so that, that, that friendship, that private mm-hmm. situation that I have with that show remains active so you wouldn't watch it with somebody i do i do but you can't get that person always on a friday night on your couch while yeah. you're having your frozen pizza you know well you, i was gonna you say gotta if have you're freedom, coming over you know? to make ice cream cakes with me okay. in a few weeks when you get back from kentucky okay i can hold off on watching orange we can make ice cream cake we can have a frozen <laughs> pizza you can, you know, sit. we can watch a few episodes, but I don't want to pressure you. I don't want to pressure you. No, that's okay. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to put you through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Kathy. I like to savor my show over a few days. Plus, where I plan on watching it this week, my butt hurts after a little while sitting on their couch, so I can only take about a couple episodes anyway <laughs> at a time. Now, Kathy mentioned coming over to my apartment to learn how to make ice cream cakes, which is going to be so much fun. We will definitely Snapchat that, so keep your eyes out for that. But actually, she will be helping make ice cream cakes for our next live show on Tuesday, July 12th at 8 o'clock at Le Poisson Rouge. Incidentally, Joel Marsh Garland, who plays her love interest as of season three, We'll be telling a funny true story from his life. Plus, we'll have other special guests from the show there that night. Tickets for that show will go fast. So grab those and details at yumsthewordshow.com. I hope you can join us for funny true stories, Mad Libs, and of course, my homemade ice cream cakes. Okay, back to my chat with Kathy Curtin, where she talks about America's prison system. It's really not cool that we incarcerate this many people. And hey, yeah, you know, maybe... um, the privatization of prisons is not such a good thing because mm-hmm. it creates an environment where a lot of people can abuse that system. Mm-hmm. And maybe keeping people, b- prisoners become, uh, you know, there's a consumer aspect to it. There's a supply and demand aspect to it. There's a, we employ people based on how many prisoners we have. So <clears throat> make sure we send some people, you know, up the river. Keep our prisons full. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Pennsylvania, you know, prisons are big business, mm-hmm. big business. Mm-hmm. It's um, there's something like I don't know what the exact statistics are, but like for every prisoner, you know, so many guards are employed and stuff like that. I mean, there's just st- statistical data on that. And in Pennsylvania years ago, there were six judges who were indicted for um sending people to prison for longer terms because they were getting kickbacks from the prisons to keep their prisons full. Oh, yeah. I think it was six or seven judges. And these were juvenile prisons. Oh, my so God. So somebody, you know, some 14-year-old kid, he stole, um, you know, I don't know, whatever he stole in the store. He shoplifted, you know, some, some freaking mm-hmm. candy or purse or tie or whatever. Who cares? 
a minor offense, and then they would be sent to prison for like years. So ridiculous. Three, four years. And one kid committed suicide, and his mother, she, I, I remember watching a news report where the judge who had sent her child to prison for a minor offense, and he had killed himself, he was the one who had killed himself, oh. she was at that judge's trial and watched that judge go to prison. And I thought, wow. well, that's the only retribution that sure. woman has. Thank God that right. woman. But she lost her child. And he was just a normal kid who, sho- who shoplifted. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, mm-hmm. he shoplifted. You know? Okay, he should do community service. Right. I mean, it's wrong. Don't steal. Yeah, right. I mean, it, this is Dickensian. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's really an interesting dilemma that we're in. And if we put the same amount of money that we put into our prisons, if we put that money into our education system, we would have more teachers, mm-hmm. we would have better educated society, and we would have less prisons. Right. But we're all back-ended. Totally. It's like we've got the, you know, the tail is wagging the dog here in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it's all it's all out of balance. It's out of whack. Completely. You know, right. people aren't well-educated and they end up in prison. People don't have opportunities because they've never had, you know, a, a, a good, solid foundation to to bring them into who they are Mm -hmm. so they end up in prison and you know there's direct links to all of that we've got a little more with kathy in just a little bit but first is an incredible story from larry smith larry has spoken at south by southwest he's written for the new york times and he was named one of the most interesting people of the day by cnn so he's no slouch Larry is also the founder and editor of Smith Magazine and the Six Word Memoir Project, which is a best-selling series of five books and a global phenomenon. I'm actually in the Six Words on Jewish Life book. Go figure. What are my six words? Family disappointment. My hatred of locks. It's a fantastic series, and they make wonderful coffee table books. So buy a couple. Larry told this story at our two-year anniversary show three years ago, and Piper was in the audience that night. Orange had just premiered on Netflix a few weeks earlier, and everyone was talking about it. There was a lot of buzz in the room. This is his story about the hoops he had to jump through in the prison system, what life was like for him and Piper when she was serving time at the Danbury Women's Correctional Institution, and the special thing he did for her the night before she went to jail. February of 2005, as I often am, I was running late. And I was on the way to Newark Airport to go to O'Hare. And I know how to get to Newark. I'm from Jersey. And I was pretty flustered, and I got lost. And I really didn't want to miss this flight, because I was on my way to see my fiancé, who was spending the last month, well, we did not know, but it was in fact going to be the last month, for a 13-month prison term. So I really didn't want to miss this flight. (laughs) But I made the flight. And when I got to Chicago, I was greeted by the very cold, dark February night. I was greeted by the very warm arms of my good friends Gabrielle and Ed. And Gabrielle and Ed were real lifesavers. Piper was indicted 
1998 in a, in a Chicago federal court. So between 1998 and 2005, we spent a lot of time going back and forth between New York and Chicago, a lot of rigmarole, or as Larry Bloom might say, Michigas. <laughs> and to have friends in Chicago to, to greet you and to house you and to hold you was so important. And when I landed, they said, you know, your regular, your regular dish from the Thai food you like is here. <laughs> and uh, we've got a bourbon on the rocks because if you're going to visit your girl in the clink, the only drink is a bourbon on the rocks. <laughs> and the next morning, I went to a new prison for, for all of us, in fact. I went downtown to Chicago, uh, and I looked at this uh, really, uh, even for prison, a pretty intimidating 26-story windowless concrete monolith where my fiance was now housed and she'd been there for almost a month for reasons that are insane but so much of the prison system is insane that you sort of got to read the book to find out <laughs> and when i got there i said i i'm i'm here to see Papa Kerman. here's my id i'm on the list and they said um uh we don't see your name what do you mean? Um, I checked. I, I, I checked. They said, I've been, I've, I've been to see Piper and Danbury every week for the last year. And they said the list transfers over. They said, we're sorry, you're not on the list. And I said, well, uh, we don't see a Lawrence Smith. That's my, my ID, my license. And I said, what about Larry Smith? Oh, yeah, he's here. <laughs> that's, that we can't help you. And at this point, this is not surprising news that they cannot help you. And I said, well, it's like a nickname? And they said, well, that doesn't, you know. I said, listen, can you call Danbury? And by the way, so there's a three-hour window to visit Piper at the, the Chicago prison. And I'm watching the clock go. And I said, well, can you call Danbury? They, like, know me there? And they'll totally vouch that I am who they am. And so finally someone gets on the phone, and they call, and... Time passes. Well, no one's there. You know, time passes. Two hours have passed. Uh, there's an hour left. And finally, with about 25 or 30 minutes left, they said, okay, it's cool. You can go in. So we spent a little time together. Now, fortunately, most of the time when Piper was in prison was, in fact, spent at the Danbury Women's Correctional Institution, which is no picnic. <laughs> we were looking pretty good. And well, in prison, you know, there's sort of a, things don't necessarily make a lot of sense there either, and there's sort of a refrain that prisoners use, you had nothing coming. And what that means is, hey, how come the GED program has been canceled? Why is the track open? Prisoner, don't ask questions, you got nothing coming. And that kind of extended to the loved ones in their lives, the people who visited them and, and cared for them every week. And, uh, you you know you sort of you sort of got used to that, but uh, but it was still it was still pretty humiliating. And but eventually, I uh, I did sort of get the the rhymes and reasons you know of the prison. So um, uh, I learned that you were allowed one kiss upon greeting uh, your lady or whoever, and one kiss upon leaving. Uh, so, and I got kind of, you know, I kind of got into a groove, 
you know, after a while and how to do things, but you don't wear shorts. My friend came four hours, train, and then a cab, and he showed up in shorts. Sorry, no shorts. Out. You know, you got nothing coming. And so what was happening, though, while Piper was in prison, is it could go a couple of ways in terms of, of being there. You can uh, get totally awesome shape and read tons of books, or you can, like, eat all the crappy food and watch bad TV. And that's a sort of binary, and it's broadly speaking, but it is kind of the truth, you know? And Piper chose the former. And so what was happening was, she was getting more and more ripped. And I was getting more and more backed up. And also, she made friends with a prison seamstress who turned her baggy brown khakis into tight, tight, tight. It was getting really tough for me in there. And our kisses, beginning and end, were, I kind of was pushing it a little bit, and they were getting a little bit longer, and they were lingering a little bit. And at some point, a guard, the most hated guard, a guard that Piper nicknamed Gay Porn Star, <laughs> saw us kissing, and he yelled, Watch the contact, or you're out of here! And every head turned at us in that visiting room. And I was humiliated. The Piper was humiliated, but she was also scared. Because you can go to the shoe, solitary, for illegal contact, and that is no place you want to be. And that humiliation was really part of, certainly for prisoners who were groped and harassed, and just, you know, that was part of their daily life. But for us visiting the ones we loved, it was, it was kind of new. And it didn't matter, stockbroker, pipe fitter, whatever, journalist, you just, you know, you had to all kind of eat shit. Because you know when you go into the DMV and you think that, like, if you're sort of nice to the receptionist, and, like, somehow your life is now in less than 10 hours, and you to start working, you have that same false attitude at the prison guard. Like, no, you like it doesn't come quicker, and your, your, your fiancé's not coming out of that room quicker, and if that guard's in a bad mood, she just won't even call to tell me you're there for 30 minutes. You got nothing coming. And so, but I just, it's hard, I think, also for guys to have that false humility. We're just not good at it. But we ate shit and we sucked it up. Um, but the truth is, they weren't all the gay porn star. They're all, who, by the way, he was called gay porn star because he sort of looked like that Tom of Finland cartoon, you know? He just looked like a gay porn star. He was not a nice man. But they all weren't like that. And in fact, there was, there was a woman who, I, who was pretty agreeable. She was a, a guard in the visiting room a lot. And, um, and I sort of got to know her a little bit after a year, you do, you talk, you know? And I learned that she was, before prison guard, she was an exterminator in Brooklyn. <laughs> and as the seasons changed, the point where the light from the windows would come in would sort of move around the room, and at some point for like a while, they were right on the desk. So she started wearing these like mirrored glasses, but she just walked off the set of like Terminator 6. You know? <laughs> it was so weird. but. I, I, my job, really, while Piper was in prison, was to try to take care of her, you know? And as a Jew, um, how we take care of her, know, lots of people, is, is food, you know? Like, you throw food at the problem. And I've been throwing food at the problem called Piper for years. When I was courting her, kind of, like, we were friends, but then sort of maybe it was changing, and I was like, hmm. Lesbian, but still. And, uh, we both knew that we were in trouble when I came back 
from a visit home to my folks in Philly, and I brought back with me a soft pretzel when I messaged it over to her office. <laughs> that was sort of the moment we both knew we were in trouble. And so, I was throwing food at the problem. The night before she went to prison, you know, sort of what do you do exactly? So, you, you cook like a kick-ass meal, right? And I'm not like a wizard in the kitchen, so you go with what you know, and I got like big steaks, and, uh, and I made my famous, I cut the potatoes real thin and fry them. And I got foie gras, which would later upset the duck people, but nonetheless, it was easy and delicious, and a great bottle of wine. And you watch The Big Lebowski, and you, you go to bed, and you cry, and you wake up, and you take, you take your fiancé to prison. And when you're in the prison, uh, you also, you know, I still, I still want to sort of care for her and feed her. And uh, let me just visiting room. It's it's weird. It's kind of like a like a depressing kindergarten classroom. <laughs> these little these little kind of card tables, kind of shitty card tables and folding chairs. And there was this kind of makeshift chapel in the corner with a sign that says "Smile, God loves you." And every fourteen-year-old instinct in you wanted to make it "Dog loves you," <laughs> but you, you didn't, you know. And and so, but there was perhaps one of the bright spots was the vending machine. Now, bright spot is a stretch, um, but it had food in it. And this vending machine had that, that automat feel where it's circular and there's food on plates, but not like cool throwback but like kind of full, like you wouldn't really want it even if you were in an airport. And the food that showed up in the, in the vending machine was a lot like prison, random and unpredictable, you know? So there'd be like a yogurt in there one week, and some sandwiches of indistinguishable like note, and maybe like, I think I saw a Yuhu once. <laughs> but we kind of we kind of mainly had microwave popcorn, diet coke, and Fritos, you know. And also like prisoners can't touch money. So every week when I would talk to her, you get this. This is a call from federal prison. Press one. Yes, you know, take it. Don't forget the quarters. I'm not going to forget the quarters. You know? And then I get her the food. And and these were really special hours actually. These three hours a week more or less we spent together because we didn't do kind of talk about the, the kind of the stuff that we talked about then and frankly now, which is like real estate in Brooklyn and the new high restaurant from New York magazine. <laughs> about how women really cannot have it all, you know? <laughs> we just, it was us, and there's no phones allowed in the visit room. It was just us for three hours. And I do the Six Word Memoir Project, and the Six Word Memoir t-shirt I wrote when we did a book on love was our prison visitations were surprising romantic, which is a t-shirt tonight. And those three hours were really, were really kind of special for us, because it was like just us. And it was quiet. Admittedly, her life didn't change that much day to day, and mine did, but it was really, truly special time. And, and something a lot of people really don't know about Piper is that she's kind of, she's kind of a loner. Um, she is kind of introverted, which is funny for a woman who wrote a memoir that became a TV series. <laughs> but in fact, she is. And as, as loud and extroverted as I am, she's, she's sort of a quiet person. And she's happy to sit home and read a book. And I'm always like organizing things, all right, everybody at Governor's Island, and then we're all going to go to Queens. And it's going to be awesome. And this other guy, let me text somebody. And that's what I do, and I love it. That's not what she does. 
And I found myself while she was in prison sort of doing that again. Like, okay, so I didn't want, I wanted to, I was like the social director. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want four people to show up on one weekend to visit and then none the next weekend. And those friends, I mean, she often talks about how the friends she made in prison really helped her get through it. And the friends outside of prison helped both her and me get through it. And, you know, these are friends who said, like, dude, we're all going to Mexico, and you and Piper should go, but Piper can't, because uh, she committed an uh, international drug uh, uh, trafficking conspiracy, and you didn't, so we're all done. <laughs> Margaritas and quesadillas feel, like, terrible. Like, dude, seriously, come on, we got a house, it's awesome. So, you know, I went. And I went, and I felt better knowing that, like, people were coming to visit her. People were coming by train, and they were coming by car, and sometimes town car, and, and even by plane. And our friend, our good friend Jeff Kramer, had moved to San Francisco, and, and he flew in to see her. And Jeff is a man who has a passion for food unlike anyone I know. And he could be at a deep Queens Thai restaurant, this is like the whitest guy you've ever met. And he'll speak fluent Thai to the waiter and order the best four dishes on the menu and, and the, yeah, the waiter will give him the nod, you know. And he's also very happy eating like a dog and a beer at a Giants game in San Francisco. And Jeff got to that visiting room and he saw the And then he did something that Piper can attest to. It was one of the most amazing and appalling things she saw during her 13 months at the Danbury Federal Prison. He bought the frozen chicken wings. He put in 16 quarters and bought the frozen chicken wings. So, on March 4th, 2005, exactly 13 months after I dropped Piper off in Danbury, I went back to Chicago to pick her up. She really wanted to leave from Danbury for closure and to see her friends and have this sort of goodbye party that the women had for each other. But her time was up and they literally had to let her go from Chicago. And the, her lawyer said, if you wait for Conair, there is Conair by the way, Conair to pick you up, it could be three or four weeks. You gotta go. And we had fights about that. I don't you need, you gotta go. So she agreed. So when I got her, we flew back from O'Hare to Newark, and we, I said, by the way, we moved to Brooklyn. <laughs> and, and tonight, honey, you can eat anywhere you want. Do you want to go to Bobo or Blue Ribbon? Or what do you want to do? She said, I want to get a slice of pizza, and I want to go home. And that's what we did, and it was good. Isn't he such a mensch? I love Larry. And I love hearing the story behind the story. You can find Larry on Twitter at Larry Smith and his six word memoir project at six words. That's S I X words. You can also see pictures of Piper reacting to his story that night on our Instagram at Yums the Word Show. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you can hear our next episode, which will feature stories from Connie Schulman, who plays Yoga Jones, and Michelle Hurst, who played Miss Claudette and got sent to the shoe season one. Will she come back this season? Hmm, I don't know. I haven't watched it. Remember, no spoilers. 
Okay, here's one last bit I did with Kathy where I asked her a burning question about the show. I know you can't really talk much about this season, but do you know if there might be some used uh, underwear <laughs> peddling? <laughs> I don't in, know. In Litchfield? You know, I just don't know. Okay. I can't. I just don't know. I'm, you know, I I just live my life, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. See? No spoilers. That was Kathy Curtin. You can find Kathy on Twitter and Instagram at Kate Curtin. That's C-A-T-E-C-U-R-T-I-N. And she's going to be on the HBO series Insecure. You can check out more of my interview with her on the last and the next podcast episode. She'll talk about dating younger men, working with Genji Cohen, which character she'd like to play besides Wanda Bell, and of course, flying vaginas. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that. And remember to grab your ticket to our next live show at yumsthewordshow.com. The stories you just heard were recorded live at the Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patrone, Jenna Levine, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Happy first day of summer. And until next time. On the pants. Yum's the word.